Welcome y bienvenidos to Presently Aquí with Claudia, an insightful mindfulness podcast to help you discover ways to control your thoughts, emotions, fears, and essentially mastering self-love. Hi everyone and welcome to Presently Aquí with Claudia. I am Claudia, your host, and Presently Aquí is a community of healers from around the world that come together to share the remarkable journeys and their challenges that they face on their path to self-discovery and self-love and self-healing in hopes to empower and inspire others to do the same. And as always, I am always excited to have a guest um, because it's a mirror reflection. And today I have Terry Tucker. And Terry is a motivational speaker, author, and international podcast guest in the topics of motivation, mindset, and self-development. He has a business administration degree from Citadel, where he played NCAA Division I college basketball, excuse me, and, and a master's degree from Boston University. In his professional career, Terry has been a marketing executive, a hospital administrator, a SWAT team hostage negotiator, a high school basketball coach, a business owner, a motivational speaker, and for the past 11 years, a cancer warrior which has resulted in amputation of his foot in 2018 and in his leg of 2020. He is the author of the, of, of the book, Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. Terry has also been featured in Authority, Thrive Global, and Human Capital Leadership Magazines. Welcome, Terry. Well, thank you, Claudia. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. I'm super excited. I was telling Terry how he booked me a month ahead of time, and I was so sad because the 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 pre-chat was just so wonderful. I was looking forward to, but here we are, you know. That's right. Good things come to those who That's wait. Right. right. That's right. Um, so per usual, we're going to take three deep breaths together. And again, if you're driving, please make sure to save this for later. Um, or if you have your own free time, you don't have to wait for me. Um, so we're going to close our eyes or put your eyes where you feel comfortable, where you're not being distracted. And then on the first breath, we're going to just feel into our bodies, just what it's like. All right. So here we go. And then the second breath, we're going to see what it's like to be in our minds. And on the third breath, we're going to feel into our hearts. And I'm going to give you an extra breath. And I want you to take a, the deepest breath and hold it at the top. And when you let go, I want you to let go of everything that no longer serves you. Just release it for this moment. And then when you're ready, come back into the now. Right? How was that for you, Terry? That was good. Mm. That was very it's good. Simple, but effective. It, very, it absolutely is. Yeah, control yes, your breathing. Yes, and I love doing it prior to any conversation here. So, you know, we leave our day behind and then we can just start fresh here, right? Um, so, right. Uh, so, let's get into the excitement that I am sustaining here. <laughs> this remarkable human in front of us, um, Terry, 
what are some of the challenges, which I know I did say some of them, right, in, in your bio and your introduction. Uh, what are some other things that you face on your path to self-discovery? Yeah, I think it, for me, it really kind of went back. I, you, you can't tell this from looking at me or from my voice, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. And I, I played basketball starting at mm. nine years old and received a scholarship to play in college. And I was lucky to have that college scholarship because I had three knee surgeries in high school. And I remember when I went back playing basketball after those knee surgeries, my, my brain was, was putting all kinds of mm. negative thoughts into my mind. You know, things like, hey, you're probably step slower mm -hmm. since you've had the surgeries and college coaches aren't going to be interested in recruiting you. And I remember having to say, wait a minute, I am still playing at an elite level and coaches are still reaching out, the, <clears throat> excuse me, about the possibility of playing for their school. So I learned early on that I sort of had to change the negative into the positive. I had to take that, that negative energy that we all have. You know, I don't care how positive you are, you're going to have it and change it to something more positive that benefited me. So, you know, it started when I was young, when I was 15, um, when I graduated from college, my father and my grandmother were both dying of different forms of cancer, mm -hmm. literally in the rooms next to each other in our house. Um, you know, that, that, that led to three and a half years of living at home, helping my mother care for them. Um, started my law enforcement career, which I felt was my purpose, kind of late in life. And now, as you mentioned, for the last 11 years, I've been battling a rare form of cancer, a rare form of melanoma. Mm -hmm that when I was originally diagnosed, they told me I'd be lucky to live two years and it's been 11 years. So those are some of the challenges I faced yeah. in my life. And as a child, you know, and, and being a teenager, uh, where did you gather a space for yourself to shift the perspective of the negative self-talk? I think my, you know, my parents really, I, I, I have to give them a lot of credit, you know, I'm not one of those stories where, you know, my dad was an alcoholic right, right. and beat my mother. It was, it was just the opposite. I, I mean, I had great parents. I, I'm the oldest of three boys. We were all in athletics. We all played different sports. And my parents used to do what I call divide and conquer parenting, which is, you know, I had a game on, you know, on a Tuesday night at this location and my brother had a practice at, at another location at the exact same time. And so my parents would sort of divide up and, and, and handle that. But we were the center of their universe. I mean, they, we, we never wanted for anything. You know, we always had clean clothes, clean uniforms and things like that. And my parents taught us the value of loving each other, caring for each other and supporting each other. And I, so, you know, when, when you had those difficult times, you had a place to go. You had a place that was safe, that, that you could, you know, okay, I need to decompress or I need to throw something against the wall or whatever it was to kind of take out your frustration. And for me, that was our family. It's beautiful to have. That's really important to have, right? As you're going through your journey and being able to be supported in your dreams and aspirations as well. And um, do you feel that because that's a, um, for the collective, right? Some of us don't get to have that. Uh, at home, right. uh, how did you see your friends react to that space for you? You know, I was, I was, that's another thing, I guess, you know, when I was young, I, I surrounded myself with 
people that made me better. You know, I, I, I've always said, Claudia, if I didn't know you, but I knew the five people you hung around with the most, I could tell you about your goals, your dreams, your character, your aspirations, not even knowing you because of the people you hang around with. And in high school, you know, I, my friends, I was an athlete, but my friends played in the band, were real studious, were in the plays. I had a very eclectic group of friends but we all, we all made each other better. You know, if you hang around people that are smarter than you, that have better character than you, that work harder than you, you'll be smarter, you'll have better character, and you'll work harder versus, you know, hanging around with people that, you know, it's all about mm -hmm. drama and it's all about them. Those are what I used to call energy yes. suckers. Yes. You know, they suck the energy yes. right out of you because it's all about them. So I was lucky you know, in high school to really surround myself with friends that made me a better person. And I loved being around them. I mean, we would get together on the weekends and we would eat pizza and, and we would play, you know, penny poker and stuff like that. And there was no, there was no drugs. There was no drinking. There was, I mean, none of that stuff. We just, we didn't need it because we had each other. And like I said, we made each other better. I wanted you to expand on this for the listener, right? Why is it important, right, to have the f five people around you, right? So do you mind expanding for the listener? Because I know a lot of people aren't aware of this aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's those people that, you know, you surround yourself with, they really determine kind of where you go, whether it's an up or down. And, you know, if, if, you, if you're around people that, that are smarter than you, that have better character, that work harder, they will lift you up. They will make you smarter. They will make you have better character. They will make you a harder worker versus those people who, you know, I used to call them energy suckers. They, they just suck the energy right out of you because it's all about them and it's all about their drama and things like that. And I realize a lot of times some the people we surround ourselves with are family and we, we don't have, you know, the choice of saying, well, I, I can't be around them. But you want to be around people that make you better. You know, there's that old saying that says, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find a better room in that. So figure out who you're, who, you know, are the people that you're hanging around with making you a better person? Because if they're not, and I know this is sometimes hard to do, you need to get them out of your life as much as you can and put people in your life that make you better. But there's a caveat there you also need to be one of those people that make other people better. You've got to work harder. You've got to be smarter. You've got to have better character. It can't just be that you're taking from them. It's we're all taking from each other so that we can all be better human I couldn't beings. have said of you more eloquently. You did. I knew you were going to do a service here. <laughs> but it is absolutely true. And I love the last part, right? You too have to be one of those five people that are ready to uplift because you could be the toxic one in the group <laughs> and not know right yeah. and i guess you know yeah. obviously if it, and it's not like how do i know it's very simple right it's just how do you feel when you're around people how do you how do they make you feel you know are they attacking you? Are you are you outed out of the group sometimes and not involved? You could be that. Or it's the opposite. You know, you notice that one of your friends, right? Even like people that we grew up with, that you feel guilty of releasing them. But if they're not one of those five people, 
what's really going on here, right? What's yeah. Yeah, I mean, being nice is one thing, but I mean, we're talking about your future and you know what you do, right. what you accomplish in life, and, and reaching your goals right. and your purpose. And if you don't have people helping you do that, none of us lives in a vacuum. You know, if COVID taught us anything, it's the importance of how much we need each other. You know, you look at the during COVID, you know, the isolation, the mental illness, the the incidence of increased drug and alcohol abuse, domestic violence, and all that kind of stuff. We're not designed to be no. isolated. We're designed to be with each other. And if you can be one of those people that makes other people better, you'll have all yeah, kinds of friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very important because that is what was going on uh, during the pandemic. And it drove a lot of people into negative spaces. And that's also why I started this during the pandemic, because I felt that there was a mental health need, a crisis at the time, right? And so having people that you surround yourself with is a big deal. So that way, when crisis happens globally or personally, you have support, right? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Beautiful. I love that. Um, So as you're going along in your journey and you're doing so many amazing, uh, having careers, right? And and learning different aspects and having different tools as you're, you know, you're going through your journey and getting older, right? As you're traversing in that space for yourself um where did you feel most like yourself i I really felt most like myself when i was a police officer um and and, you know if you kind of look at my resume it's sort of all over the place you know i started out in the business world i moved to hospital administration and then i made that pivot and there is a backstory to that there is a my my grandfather was a Chicago police officer from 1924 to 1954. Mm. So was in Chicago during, you know, when alcohol was outlawed in the United States during the Great Depression in the 1920s and 30s. And when the gangs, Al Capone, some of the the, the mob people were, were shooting up the town and he was actually shot in the line of duty with his own gun. It's not a serious injury. He was shot in the ankle. But when I expressed an interest in going into law enforcement, my dad remembered the stories that my grandmother told of that knock on the door of, you know, Mrs. Tucker, grab your son, come with us. Your husband's been shot. So my dad was having nothing of that. It's like, nope, you're going to college. You're going to major in business. You're going to get out, get a good job, get married, have 2.4 kids and live happily ever after. <laughs> but that's what my dad wanted me to live. That's not what I felt my purpose was. And so you know, again, I mentioned my dad was dying of cancer when I graduated from college. So I had two choices. I could have said, eh, sorry, dad, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to blaze my own trail. Or out of love and respect for you, I will do what you want me to do. And, and so I did that. I went into business because that's what my dad wanted. And then I sort of joke. I did what every good son did. I waited till my father passed away. And then I followed my own dreams. So, you know, it, it, I never lost sight of of what I felt my purpose was. You know, I, it, I knew it wasn't going to happen right now, but I never thought, well, it's never going to happen. I, it was always, it's going to get delayed, but it's going to happen sooner or later. So I, I never gave up on my on my dream, on my purpose, on my hope. And I really kind of felt at home once I finally decided to start doing that and be be a police yeah. officer. Wow, that's that's interesting and funny at the same time. Like, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna follow and respect you, and then when when you now that you're not here, 
I'm gonna go do what I've always wanted to do, and that's 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 interesting how that works. Um, and and how you're saying like that is where you felt the most like yourself, right? And that that is fascinating. Um, in this space of being in law enforcement, um, what aspects you know from you know coming from a basketball background, right, and having such a beautiful support space. Um, you know, being in law enforcement, you're not surrounded with positivity all day, right? How were you able to bring those aspects of yourself that you had grounded and found and, and a strong foundation into your into the space that you loved? That's a great question, and, and I, I guess I'll, I'll sort of answer it this way. There, there was a, a a man here in 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 the U.S. by the name of Fred Rogers, Mister Rogers, and he he was on yes. public television, and he he. He educated so many young kids, including myself, myself about, you know, yeah, and, and yourself too. And when Fred Rogers died in 2003, his family was going through his effects and they found his wallet. And inside his wallet was a scrap piece of paper on which Mr. Rogers had written four words. Life is for service. And, and I think that was... That was my motivation. That was what made, you know, I, I didn't get into law enforcement to lock people up and things like that. I, I did it to try to make a difference in, in, in the world that I was living in. I, you know, there's an old saying, you can't change the world, but you can change your little yes. piece of it. And, and that's kind of the way I looked at it. it. It wasn't about, you know, shooting people and locking people up and stuff like that. It was about what are the problems and how can I help make those problems either go away or, or be less mm. for the people that are having to deal with them? So it, it was it, for me, it was it was about serving, you know, because as, as a police officer, you're not going to make mm-hmm. a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're you're not surrounded, like you say, by right. very positive people. And you see the worst of people. You see a lot of hopelessness mm-hmm. and helplessness. And it's like, how can I make a difference here? And that's really what it was all Beautiful. about. For me. That's remarkable. And thank you for bringing up Mr. Rogers, because he is an idol for me. I, I, it's what a human, right? To just, yeah, he knew, he knew, you know, what we needed, right? He helped raise us, and um, he he, yeah, what a what a human to to, and also my thing as a woman is just not. It's for him to be a man and be in that space was just so so beautiful, right? Because, you know, usually it's the opposite, yeah. right? How we, how we, how society is different now, right? How we don't want men around our children that are uh, on their own or weird or whatever it is. But he had brought this aspect of the male gender to show that it's, there is that positive, loving, kind, generous spirit in all of the, the men um, right. and able to provide for the children as well, not only for the women. Um, so, yeah, he is... And, and I'm glad that he affected you in such a beautiful way and you were able to bring that and implement it into your work. Um, amazing, amazing. So as you're, as you're traversing your journey and, you know, once you left law enforcement, how were you able to still um, grasp this aspect of you, right? Now finding yourself and knowing that, that this is where you felt more like yourself. How were you able to transfer that feeling into you know, now in the space that you're in, which is a lot different, right? And a lot tougher and quite challenging. And, you know, 
I took to you, not because of what you're going through, but because the energy that you still carry is what blew me away. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for, for saying that. Yeah, I, you know, it's another great question. And I, you know, I think back on my law enforcement days and I saw not a lot of people, but I saw a few people that had been on the job for, you know, 30, 35, 40, 45 years and couldn't retire, couldn't let go of that because their entire identity was tied up in the fact that they were a police officer in that gun and that badge and their authority. And and don't get me wrong, I I loved what I did, but that wasn't who I was. You know, I, I was, I was able, I knew I was able to do other things in my life. I had done it before I became a police officer, but I was able to take what I learned in law enforcement and then start my own school security consulting business where I worked with, with private independent schools around the United States to you know write their policies and procedures, uh, determine whether their campus was safe and secure and things like that. So I was sort of able to take what I did and start a business out of it and, and then I also got into coaching girls high school basketball. I, my wife and I have a, a daughter and f- unfortunately she got my height as well. And so it gave me an opportunity to, to coach her and to spend some time with her as well. So, you know, it, I think part, you have to realize that, you know, you're, you're, we all like to think that our purpose will eventually somehow manifest itself in our job or in our right. occupation. But if it doesn't, that's okay. I mean, your your job can be something over here that you do to pay the bills, but your purpose is over here and it's, you know, to be a podcast host or to paint or to write or to be an activist or, or whatever it is that you feel is in your heart that you want to do. So it, it's great if your purpose can be your job or your occupation, but don't feel you're missing out on something if it's not, because we can all find our purpose in, in whatever way that is. Some of us don't get paid for it. Some of us do. So whatever it is, you got to know what your purpose is. Yes, because I don't get paid for this, but I love this. And it's getting, you know, it's a message. It's bigger than me, right? You know your mission is bigger than you. It's not about, what do I get out of it? Then it's not your mission, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, you make a great point about, you know, when I was playing basketball, I learned being part of a team. And for me, it was basketball. I think it can be whatever team you're on, your family, your colleagues, your friends, whatever it is, we're all on on different teams, was the importance of being part of something that was bigger than yourself. You know, you realized on a team that if you didn't do your job, not only did you let yourself down, but you let your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down, your parents down, et cetera. And if you think about it, the biggest team game that we all play is this game uh-huh. of life. a million percent yes this game of life right because i'm glad you brought it up in that way because how do you how do you how you do one thing is how you do everything right so how are you playing the game or is the game playing you right yeah i i, I hope i'm playing no, the game you're definitely hope, playing <laughs> You're definitely playing the game because you're as, you know, an intuitive. I can feel everything, right? When we're in this connection, but what stands out the most is your high vibrational space. And so you are in charge and I have chills right now. So 
you are definitely in that space. And I wanted to shift into where you are now, right? Was the, you know, in the health space that you're in right now, did that create the moment for you to become the motivational speaker? Or is that something you always wanted to do? You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty private person. I, I don't really kind of like to, to be out there. Um, but people were making suggestions. There's there's the, the old joke that says when we talk to God, it's called prayer. When God talks to us, it's called schizophrenia. <laughs> so, you know, God never talked to me. But I think what God does is put people in our path that start making a suggestion. You know, same you know, you, you should yes. do a podcast, you should yes. be a speaker, you should write a book, whatever it ends up being. And I was really resistant. I, I was like, no, I don't, I don't really think I should do that. And, you know, so I start. the first thing I did was start my blog. And my blog was four pages long. <laughs> it took me four months to, to put four pages. Together. Right. That's how incompetent I am when it comes to, you know, I should have gone to my daughter, she would have done right. it in 15 minutes, you know, but, but it took me four four months to do it. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to start a speaking business. And I, I was all gung-ho and then COVID uh, hit and everything uh -huh. shut down, you know? And so it was the, you know, nobody was doing anything either virtually or in person. And somebody reached out to me and, and, and this is the honest truth, Claudia. Somebody reached out to me and said, would you like to be a guest on my podcast? And I said, sure. What's a podcast? I had no idea what a podcast was. And so they said, well, we kind of have a conversation, but we record it and then we put it up, you know, on social media. And I'm like, okay. And I was so scared. I was so nervous. I, I had post-it notes all around the camera and they would ask a question. I would kind of lean in and read one of the, the post-it notes. Mm -hmm. I was terrible. When I first started this, I was horrible. I didn't have good stories. I And, and so, you know, I eventually published my book. And I remember one, one day I was talking to my publisher and I said, you know, Scott, I listen to every podcast I've mm. ever been on because I want to I want to see how I can be a better guest. So the host feels it was a productive, you know, half hour, hour, whatever it was. And he's like, no, no, Terry, it's, it's not about being good. It's just about not sucking. And I said, well, thanks for the title of my next book. You know, this don't suck. It's like, good. But but I said, no, that's not what it's about. I want you know, kind of like what you said, you know, are, are, are you doing life or is life doing you? And, and I, I'm like, you know, no, I want to be good. So I want to get better. And I listen to every one of them. And, you know, oh, I said, um, or huh, or whatever, how many times, or that story is not good. I got to find a better story, whatever it ends up being just to try to be. And I think that's important for all of us, whether you're, you know, you're digging ditches or, or you're the CEO or you're doing podcasts, you need to, to study your craft, you need to find ways to get better at what you do. And unfortunately, so many people just don't feel that way. It's like, I, I, I don't care. I'll just, right. I'll do whatever. Right. See what happens. I definitely resonate with that. Um, and, and I'll add to that, like when you're watching yourself and listening to yourself, right? This is, a, if you're either a speaker, a podcast, or any platform that you have to be a part, like you have to put yourself into don't judge yourself. Just take notes and see where you're able to catch yourself. Because I still say, um, and instead of like, oh, I can't believe how many times it's just, I think about what was the energy of that day? Where was my mind? Right. It's not always that I'm saying, um, so where was it? Was I distracted? Was I thinking too much? Right. 
So it's more of these aspects uh, for anyone in the space, right? Than just, oh, oh, right, the judgment that comes through this negative self-talk. So you don't want to create the shame monsters. Um, and you're, you know, the post-it notes are helpful, right? As you're going and practicing and learning, how do I become an, an, a guest? And, and I'm going to go back to this space. I'm glad we're talking about this because I loved, where is it in your bio um an international podcast guest of on the topics and and i was like okay a lot of people don't have that as an introduction for themselves but when i was reading it i i was just smiling internally because that's beautiful it is something you're providing right this part of you that you share with all of us in different forms and different podcasts and different platforms makes you as you've been doing it for so long, makes you some type of expert, per se, right? Of of being able to share your story. I'm an expert of me, and and you should put it in your bio, right? Yeah, you're right. But you know, it, it's very kind of you to say that. And, and but the way I look at it, it is this: we seem, and I'm going to make kind of some okay. generalizations. We seem to think that we are born empty and that our job, you know, once we get out of school and kind of get into life, that our job is to fill ourselves up. So we want to get a good education. We want to have a good job. We want to make a lot of money. We want to have a nice family. We want to drive a nice car. We want to live in a nice house. And, and by filling ourselves up, we think that's going to make us happy or make us fulfilled. And Claudia, what I've come to understand is it's just the opposite. We're not born empty. We're all born full. And everything we need to be successful in life is already inside us. We just need to find it, yes. pull it out, and use it for our benefit. So instead of thinking that life should be about what mm -hmm. I get, life should be about, going back to right. the Mr. Rogers quote, what I give. You know, so I my job should really be, all of our jobs in life, should be to empty ourselves out with our unique gifts and talents, certainly for the betterment yes. of ourselves, but also for the betterment of our family, of our communities, of our country, and things like that. If we looked at things differently, like, and, and you probably know this too, all the people that get stuff, no. they're not happy because they, they need something else. They need one right. more thing or a nicer car or a nicer house. No. They're never happy. They're never fulfilled. But yet when you give of yourself, you are tremendously fulfilled because you're giving to try to help other people. I couldn't agree more. Yes, because I think the shift in perspective there is seeing that giving is the gift. You are getting by giving, yeah. right? Because everyone feels like, oh, I don't want to give because X, Y, Z, or I will be taken advantage of, right? But these are aspects where the invitation lies to create boundaries, right? how you can give you can still give but how does it how will it benefit you that you'll still feel good about it without being taken advantage or you feel like you're giving too much or however that may show up for you but i don't want the listener anybody to be discouraged to give up you know like i love that you said like empty yourself out pour yourself out into to your community your family your friends because if we don't right I mean, we see it when we don't, right? I don't have to, like, let's just 
open up uh, CNN.com and I'm sure there's the first one as, as what we're not pouring into each other, we're taking from each other. And we want to take and we want to take and all we're doing is it's filling the emptiness with more emptiness right. and more like all, all the materialism and all it just is not going to give you what you're what you really see right what your heart is truly wanting but your mind is too busy getting caught up in the illusion of it all right and and thank you for bringing that up that was really beautiful and um yeah very important for the listener to to grasp um because uh as you start to see coming back to the five people are there five people in your group that are takers right? The energy suckers that yeah. you were saying, right? It's the way we see it. It's yeah. just sometimes we don't want to see it and that's okay, but you you don't also want to see it, right? When the time comes, like, oh, this person has always been a taker, but you also don't want to be like blaming them. You allowed this behavior as well. So it's a, it's a give and take um, as well. So it's it's just the invitation again to see how you can improve per se right? For yourself, for your well-being, more than anything. What makes me happy, right? How can I, that's what I'm asking Terry about, you know, this magnificent energy that you've, your parents have nourished, and you still have it, even after all this time. How? <laughs> right? Because most people become jaded, and you've, yeah. You, because of the foundational space that your parents created, you were able to still have it and hold on to it. But as an adult, it is your choice. You can do, and you've chosen um, the higher aspect of, you know, learning of life and had the importance of all the things that you know, because you've 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 been around long enough to understand that. It at the end of the day and all the people that you've come across and observed, right? At the end of the day, were you happy with your actions, your thoughts, and your words? It's you you, you that go to sleep with yourself. You go to bed with all of that. How can you self-serve to serve, right? And that's what Terry was doing as being in law enforcement. And, um, and that's, you know, as much as you were saying, like, it is a negative space but i think it's only a negative space in major cities because there are more people right so the probabilities of more negative things is there um versus like in a smaller town because i've heard other stories of uh law enforcement and how they're putting mental health as a priority for their um, uh, employees and that way they can serve the community better um and then you were kind of like the way shower in a sense in that space back then so thank you for, for leading that as well. Oh. Um, so even though you were being challenged, right, writing this blog, <laughs> it took you months, to write. but how were you able to like, okay, so you're like, okay, people are saying I should do the motivational speaking, or I should do this, I should do that. How did the book come across you? Like, what was that, that sat you and you're like, no, I do have want to share this aspect of me with the world. So the Sustainable Excellence is really born out of two conversations I had. One was with a former player that I had coached who had moved to the area in Colorado with her fiance, where my wife and I live. And the four of us had dinner one night. And I remember saying to her after dinner, 
that I was excited that she was living yeah. close and I could watch her find and live her purpose. She got real quiet for a while. And then she looked at me and she said, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have absolutely no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding the reason you were put on the face of this earth, using your unique gifts and talents and living that reason. So that was one conversation. And then I had a young man uh, in college who reached out to me on social media. And he said, you know, what do you think are the most important things I should learn to not just be successful in my job or in business, but to be successful in life. And Claudia, I didn't want to give them that, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. I, I didn't want to give them that. Not that those aren't important. Those are incredibly important. But I wanted to see if I could go deeper with him. So I spent some time, was taking some notes and kind of had these 10 thoughts, these 10 ideas, these 10 principles. And so I sent them to him. And then I stepped back and I was like, I got a life story that fits underneath that principle, or I know somebody whose life emulates this principle. So literally during the, the period of time after I had my leg amputated, while I was healing, I sat down at the computer every day and I built stories and they're real stories about real people underneath each of the principles. And that's how sustainable excellence, the 10 principles to leading your uncommon and extraordinary life, Wow. Came to be. Magical. Magical. The magic aspect of this, it's a paradox, right? You should be sad. You just got your leg amputated, but you're writing a motivational book, <laughs> right? See? Yeah, it, it was, you know, I, I always say, you know, people were, were making the suggestion, you right. should write a book, you should write a book, you should write a book, including my own mother, you know, and, and I was like, no, I'm not a, right, I'm not right, a writer. Right. I was really kind of putting, yeah, putting it off. And, you know, I always say sustainable excellence was inspired by something that was much bigger than me. I wrote it, but it was inspired. And I think really, I think it was God's way of saying, hey, dummy, listen to what I'm telling you to do. I want you to write this book. So, so I did. yes, yes, that is what happens to most when God talks to you. Is that <laughs> it, it does sound like that because the, th the thing is, like, God has been saying this for months now. And you're like, hello. McFly. Yeah. But that's, but that's, you know, that's free right. choice or free will. You know, God, I want you to do this. I don't, nope. You don't have to. You, right. you can go do your own thing. But I, I think I'm smart enough when enough people start yes. making the same suggestion that maybe I ought to, you know, sort of sit uh -huh. up and pay attention yes. to it. Yes. And it does take um, a, a certain wisdom to recognize that. Just say, okay, this is the yeah. second time or the third time. Let me look into this. <laughs> Why do people keep saying that? And it's just like, because that's some aspect of yourself that you need to explore. And there might be some magic waiting for you on the other side that you're un unaware of. And you did that. And that's right. truly remarkable. Now that the pandemic's over, have you found spaces to go speak on? I have actually, you know, things are starting to open up now and I've done some virtual things. I've done some, some in-person things. It, it, it's just easier for me to do virtual things because I'm right. in a wheelchair and, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I need yes. assistance and usually my wife goes with me and helps me out and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it has been, I, I just, I just love being interacting, you know, back interacting with people, whether it's in person or whether it's, you know, like you and I are just doing it you know, over the computer and stuff like that, because I, I miss that. I miss, 
I miss people. I miss their energy because I, you know how it is. You you play yes. on their energy. Yes. They have energy. It gives you energy, and, and it kind of goes back and forth. So yes, I've I've been very fortunate to kind of get back in the right. swing of things. Amazing. Yes, we need we need each other. Like you were saying, with when we don't have that, that's when we feel lost. We feel crazy, and. You know, I think uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, um, in order to find yourself, um, I, I will be butchering this quote. <laughs> Just <laughs> That's okay. That's right. in order to find yourself, find yourself in the service of others. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this, it's the idea of what you said, pouring out into yourself, yeah. into this, the community, right? Into and they will pour back into you. And um, and then for those back to the five people, if you have to release all five people, believe me, it will be replaced with higher vibrational people that are there to support you in the ways that you've needed. Um, so don't lose hope there. Um, I feel inclined to ask you how, how because people, I, I'm very very observant people have a difficult time not everyone but for the most part have a difficult time sitting with the uncomfortable right and knowing your story and seeing you right in a space in a wheelchair how do you manage when people say weird things because they're uncomfortable with not knowing how to touch up on the topic they don't want to touch up on, right? It's more about them than it is about you. Because like I said, you know, uh, everyone who will get to see this video um, and hear your voice, there is such high vibrancy in you. So the aspect was there because I observed people and their behavior and a lot of people do have this. So I wanted to get a take on you. How do people, for the most part, come across and are unable to verbalize their uncomfortability, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 you're right. And you know, I mean, seeing somebody right. without a leg, I mean that that's not that's not right. really common. You know, I mean, we're we have great medicine and things like that. So yeah, I, I I mean, and and sometimes it depends on the situation. And you know, I so and and I can yeah. be a smart yeah. aleck. Yeah. I'll admit that. You know, and and sometimes people will come up to me and they'll be like. Gee, you know, Terry, I could, I could never do what, what you mm -hmm. did. I could never go through what you've been through. And depending on what kind of mood I'm in, sometimes I will say to them, yeah, you're right. You can't. Because in your own mind, you've already defeated yourself. In your own mind, you've already said, I can't do this. And I always tell them, you know, my advice to you would be sleep in that morning. You know, get a couple extra hours of sleep. Because why would you do something? Why would you start something when you know you're, you've defeated yourself? already. So, so that was, that, that's, that was one story. I had another story when I had my foot amputated and I, and I was, I was kind of walking, no. walking isn't really a hobbling out of the hospital with this big boot on my leg. And it was very apparent that I didn't have a foot. And as I was getting closer to the exit, there was a woman standing there and she was just staring so hard. And I'm looking around like there's nobody else. <laughs> right. It's just me. You know, and she's staring at me. So when I, I, as I walked closer to her, when I got up to her, I turned and I looked at her and I said, don't worry, it'll grow back. And I kept walking and I, and I looked over my shoulder and she had this look on her face like, will it? 
is this guy like a salamander or something like that? You know, you cut off a tail and like, you know, it grows back. I mean, it's a, and, and so I think part of it is as the person in the wheelchair, as the person without a leg, you have to use yes. humor to sort of make people comfortable. You know, you make a joke about yourself, you know, sort of that self-deprecating mm-hmm. type of humor that, that I always do. Like, yeah, I'm six foot eight, but now I'm in a wheelchair. I'm looking at every, everybody's right. butt. You know, I mean, that's kind of the level right. on that right. and stuff like that. You know, and, and so you, you, you sort of diffuse their uncomfortableness by making a joke. I, I mean, I'm very comfortable with the fact right. I don't have a leg. It, right. it is what it is. It's not going to change. I mean, the, I'm not going to okay. grow a new one or anything like that. So, you know what? Just... I'm okay with it. So if I'm okay with it, you should be okay with it too. And I always tell people, if you want to ask me a question, ask. I'll be happy to answer. There's nothing off limits. I'm not going to fall apart if you, oh, tell me about how you lost your leg. I went to the dentist yesterday and the the hygienist was like, well, how did you lose your leg? And and I made a joke. I said, it was a freak Frisbee golfing accident that, you know, caused me to, she was like, really? I'm like, no, not really. I had cancer. So, you know. I just try to make right. make a joke out. Try to use humor to diffuse yes, the situation. Yes, and it is the best way to do things like that um, because, again, it's just when you see people uncomfortable of wanting to ask you, and I like how you're like, just ask me. I can tell, <laughs> I can tell you're wanting to ask. Yeah. Either you're staring or like you, the energy yeah. of your mind is so powerful that you, all you're doing is thinking about what you want to ask. And I can feel it. So yeah. just ask me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I, if, if it's okay with you and you, we don't have to go into, but I wanted to get a sense because yes, it isn't common, but it's also not uncommon. We all have different things and different aspects of our health that lead us into spaces that we didn't expect. Right. And so I wanted to know what were some of the, I want to choose the right word here. What were some of the tools that you used to overcome the space that now you're in, right? Because now you have to, you had legs and you had a foot and you had all this and now not to have it. Obviously, there's a transitional moment and space for you there. Um, And how were you able to, I don't want to say overcome, but how were you able to, at the end of the day, right, to today, to still hold on to the beautiful aspects that I keep mentioning to people about you. Um, and, you know, it happens. We're human, right? So we, we go dip and then we go, you know, through all that. So I wanted to know how how did you gather strength and still hold on to your teriness? Yeah, my teriness. Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> I think um, a lot of things, but I, I'll give you what I call my three F's. And they stand for faith, family, and friends. Mm-hmm. I, I have a very strong faith in God. And, and I think that that allows me to move forward. I remember when I when I had my leg amputated and I, I still have tumors in my lungs. Right. But this, this was several years ago, about eight months after I had my leg amputated, my oncologist was showing me my CAT scan. And, and I have no medical background. I don't know how right. to read a CAT scan. Right. But, you know, you can kind of look at it and say, well, gee, that doesn't look like it belongs there. Right. You know, so... Right. I remember saying to him, I had these big tumors in my lungs. I had fluid all around the pleural spaces on the outside of my lungs. And I remember looking at my doctor and saying, how was I alive? Right. And he kind of smiled and shook his head. And he said, I don't know, because you shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Which said to me that God isn't done with me yet. Mm-hmm. You know, when I die, where I die, how I die, way above my pay grade. Don't spend yes. a lot of time 
worrying about the dying, spend more time worrying about the living. So right. faith has been something very important to me. And then my family. And, and I remember when I, when I had my leg amputated, my doctor said, I, I want to I want to put you on chemotherapy for the tumors in your lungs. Mm -hmm. And I was eight years into this fight. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I said, is it going to save my life? Yeah. He's like, no, probably not, but it might buy you some more time. And I'm like, well, one, I'm not afraid to die. And two, I don't think right. I want to do that if the outcome is going to be the same, but I'm going to go home and talk to my family. So it's just my wife and daughter and I, and, and this really is the way it happened. It's kind of a funny story. And so I, I go home and I start telling my wife and, and daughter what the doctor wants to do in terms of chemotherapy. And my daughter's like, all right, we need a family meeting. I'm like, family meeting? There's three of us. It's not like we got a board here or something like that, you know? So, so we end up sitting around the kitchen table and individually talking about how we all feel about me having chemotherapy. And when we're done with that, with that, my daughter's like, all right, let's take a vote. How many people want dad to have chemotherapy? And my wife and daughter raise their hand. I'm like, wait a minute. Am I getting outvoted for something that I don't want to do? But I remembered when I was back in the police academy and I was learning to be a police officer, our defensive tactics instructor used to have us bring a photograph of the people we love the most to class. And as we were learning different techniques to defend ourselves, we were to look at that photograph because he reasoned you will fight harder for the people you love than you will fight for yourself. So I ended up taking chemotherapy, not because I wanted to, right. but because I love my wife and daughter more than I love myself. It was the right thing to do. It was a bridge that got me to the drug that I'm on now. So that was the, the family part. And then finally, just friends. I, I think when you have a chronic or a terminal illness, there, there are people that you think are going to be there for you, that, mm -hmm. you know, that are not going to abandon mm -hmm. you. They're going to be there through the tough times. And a lot of those people aren't there. Yeah. And then there are those people who you never thought would be with you, who would never thought would stay with you through all this ugliness, who have never left me. Yeah. So I've been very blessed, very fortunate to have people in my inner circle going back, you know, to the top five people. I have a little more than five, but th these are people that when I'm having a bad day, I can pick up the phone and call right. them. Right. And that. So faith, family, and friends, that's a long-winded answer to your question. I'm sorry about that. No. but. That, that's that's what's gotten me through all this ugliness so far. Beautiful. Yeah. I was like three Fs. I love, I thank you for sharing first. Sure. I appreciate you. And you're like, God isn't done with you. I'm like, no, because he's got to be on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to meet this person. Right. <laughs> Yes, I, I definitely resonate. I, I got hit by a car crossing the street and the people that you thought were going to be there are not there. And the people that just didn't anticipate to be there ended up being there for you. And um, that is incredible. Uh, and I, I do love those aspects because, again, coming back to the five people, there might be some people that you were thinking they were there for you and holding on to them. And universe is like, uh, no, actually, here's the truth. And, and it's bittersweet, right? Because you really thought so until these circumstances happen and you realize, well, bittersweet because, right, bitterness of losing them, but sweetness of gaining other friends that are showing up and seeing and learning, uh, I think, more in depth of what a friendship truly is, right? Giving you a different shift. on, on Right. And, I mean, you can't make people want mm -hmm. to be part of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you as much as you force it, as much right. as you try to make it happen, you just can't. So. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I mean, there are going to be people that want to be there and there are going to be people that don't want to be there. Don't spend time trying to get the people who don't want to be there in your life. Focus on the people who want to be there. And yes. nine times out of 10, those people will be the people that will help you. That's it. And I wanted to ask you lastly is what are you, what are you, are you still speaking? Are you still doing podcasting? What are your offerings to the community? I, I am. I, I, I do. My wife and I constantly do battle on, you know, I, I, I have treatment for an entire week mm -hmm. and it really kind of beats me up, it beats me up right. physically, it beats right. me up with my blood counts and, and mentally and things like that. And so I, I have two weeks off to heal. Well, I spend those two weeks doing podcasts you know, because it gives me energy, it, you know, interacting with people and things like that. So it gives me that energy that I need. And my wife is always like, no, you need to rest. You need to bring your blood counts back. And I always joke with my wife, I get plenty of rest when I'm dead. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, right now it's, it's about telling my story with the understanding that I don't have all the answers. You know, I don't, I don't purport to have all the answers. I'm just saying these things have worked for me and I put them out there. Maybe they'll work for somebody that, that's cool. listening to us. And if they do that, then as far as I'm concerned, today's been a good day. So yes, I'm still doing podcasts. I'm still, I'm writing and, and, you know, I'm doing speaking engagements and things like that. So, you know, it, it I'm trying to balance my health with the things that give me energy so that right. I can sort of offset the ugliness and the, the fatigue that comes with, with basically being a cancer patient and mm -hmm. cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And where can people find your website and your book? So Sustainable Excellence is available anywhere you can get a book online, Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Apple iBooks. Just type in Sustainable Excellence or my name and it'll pop up. Right. Um, I have a website. Uh, it's called Motivational Check. Uh, I put up a thought for the day every day. With that thought comes a question about how maybe you can incorporate the thought in your life. I have recommendations for books to read, uh, videos to watch. My podcasts are on there. And you can leave me a message as well. And that's all at motivationalcheck.com. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and before I let you go, through your journey, through the wisdom that you've attained, what is the one thing that you want to impart our, the listeners with? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So I, I had a nurse recently ask me, you know, what was it like to have your foot amputated in 2018 and then your leg amputated in 2020? And I, I told her it, it, it certainly hasn't been easy, you know, being mm -hmm. six foot eight, learning how to walk again, falling from this height, not good. You get hurt. Mm -hmm. So I try not to do that. But what I told her was cancer can take all my physical faculties, mm -hmm. but cancer can't touch my mind. It can't touch my heart. And it can't touch my soul. And that's who I am. That's who you are, Claudia. That's who everybody else is. Yes. And we spend a lot of time on this, this vessel, this mm -hmm. house, this, this mm -hmm. body. You know, we, we exercise, we eat right, we get enough rest, we reduce stress. And I'm not telling you not to do that. I think mm -hmm. you absolutely should. But what I am suggesting is maybe spend a little more time every day working on who you really are, your heart, your mind, and your soul. This body is is going to die. It's going to decay. Right. It's going to be gone. Right. But your heart, your mind, and your soul, those things are eternal and they will live on. So we don't spend nearly as much time, in my opinion, working on who we really are. We look at, we work on the facade, we work on the exterior, but we don't work on who we really are. So spend some time every day working on your heart, mind, and soul and see where that takes you. You heard it here first from the guru, Terry. <laughs> Terry, I, I, 
I adore your energy. You've just been so phenomenal and easy to talk to. Um, I'm sure we could be here for hours. Um, and thank you so much for sharing your personal journey. Um, it, it means a lot to me. And um, because I know there's going to be someone out there going through stuff. We all have our stuff and we need someone to not feel alone, right? To know that there are other people out there. And um, who knows, maybe Terry might be one of your new five friends. You never know. <laughs> you don't know. Um, but thank you again. And for your light, your energy, it, it, thank you. Deep gratitude to you. Well, thank you for having me on, Claudia. I, I really enjoyed talking with you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And to the listeners, thank you for joining us today and expanding with us in this conversation. And as always, remember that the breath is the secret and always lead with love. And there's the, the motorcycle. We're, we're off. We're off to the races. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. Thanks. If today's episode resonated with you in any way, please subscribe to my podcast and share with anyone that may need to hear today's message. You can find me at Presently Aki on all social media platforms. Gratitude donations are also accepted via Venmo at Presently Aki. My wish for all of you is to find the courage and strength to start the path to self-love through mindfulness because you deserve it. Remember the breath is the secret and always lead with love.